Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the professor, Greg Dooley, and the pundit, Steve Clark. Men, take the mic. That's right. It's the professor and the pundit with Greg Dooling and Steve Clark. We're presented by Nick Hopwood, who's a certified financial planner, founder, and president of Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Greg, great to see you again. What's going on, man? I'm enjoying the summer. It's been great. And speaking of solid, we've been getting some reviews coming in. My buddy, Timmy Adams, TA. A shout out to you, Tim. Thanks for the feedback. Gave me a call, told me what he loved about the podcast. And we got another five-star review, this time from Abe who says the show is relaxing and informative. And he says he loves listening while he's riding his lawnmower and doing other <laughs> things. Steve, that's your vibe. It is. And the show it keeps is. me informed with all things Michigan and is very relaxing. Thanks, Abe. We love the feedback. We love the comments. But that's Steve, that's your vibe. Is the It's your sanctuary, if you will. It is. The lawn. You know, we both live very busy lives, and there was at a point in time where I was coaching two flag football teams on Sunday going to church in the morning, cutting the lawn, four hours worth of flag football, and then go to a church group after that. And it's just like, that's my Sunday. And I'm working Saturdays too, of course, during the fall football season. So the only time to sit and have idle time by myself would be sitting on the lawnmower where I could reflect on Michigan football, or I can reflect about plays that I could draw up or defenses that can be designed. It's my yoga without doing any of the stretching. You know this, Steve, but I used to travel quite a ways for work. I had a very, very long commute, over an hour. And I eventually just said, look, I don't know. I can't time it. I'm just going to get a service. And I've never went back, but to cut my lawn, that is. But I feel that same way because I either run or walk a lot. And I get ideas, you get creative juices, but it's a perfect time to listen to podcasts or that kind of thing. So I love it. What a nice segue because a great time to listen to any type of podcast where it's 35 minutes to 50 minutes, as much as what we're kind of shooting for, is during somebody's commute, during traffic to and back and forth. Maybe it takes about a half hour to 50 minutes to mow your lawn. Another great uh, time to listen to your podcast. Uh, I think somebody else was listening to our podcast while staining their deck or painting their house. That's uh, something else you could do. What's amazing is that we are done with season one after today. No, I love it. And I I was listening to the British Open this weekend, and the winner, Brian Harmon, said something about changing your life to those things that you want to do versus have to do. And this is something in my life that I want to do. And it, you know, we've always said, Steve, we want to do this. We want to have fun with it. But I always look forward to this time together. So speaking of the British Open, you got a little national or international plug. Yeah, I did. If we can find the clip, they had the BBC or the service did open radio and they have a team of people from around Great Britain and a couple Americans on their team. But they called the game on Sirius Radio. It's also the broadcast that you hear when you're on the course and around the world. And they were inviting people to email in. And I I was out in my backyard, Steve, you know it very well, in the garden with my dog. And I sent them this. And <laughs> it turns out uh, the lovely woman read it. We don't have permission to replay it, but we're doing it anyway. 
Thank you very much, Gregory Dooley, for sending in a picture of your dog. Um, really nice to see Freckles and, and checking in also from Ann Arbor. You're both in Michigan. And my dog Freckles are loving the beautiful verbal portrait you paint while describing the open action. It's a wonderful listen while we work in our garden. Thank you very much indeed from Greg and from Ann Arbor in Michigan. And there you go. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So Freckles gets a shout out and got a <laughs> chuckle from the co-host. And by the way, my brother heard it live and called me right as soon as my phone rang. I'm like, he must have been listening. So <laughs> wait a minute. You're, you're listening to international British Open coverage. Well, it was and the, your brother happens to be listening to it. As well, well, it was the Sirius XM yeah. uh, 92 feed. You know, it yeah. was it was the coverage. You know, but it was uh, it's outstanding. I highly recommend it. If you didn't know then, you know it now. Greg loves golf. I do, and I'll tell you that we got to listen to the British calls because we had a choice during the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup when it was in Oakland Hills, and I've been to a couple others, Brookline, and also when it was at Medina. But you have a choice. You can listen to the American call, or you can listen to the British call, or the European call. And it's always better to listen to the British one. They're just so funny and so clever how they describe things. Use words that we would never use. They tease each other. They tease the fans. And it's just it's just an awesome call. So honestly, it's it's not quite as good as watching it, but it's really close. One of these days, I'm going to play golf again. Yeah. I used to do it growing up quite a bit. My family provided those opportunities to, to go with them a lot. And then raising children, I stopped playing golf. So now I got to get a professional coach to straighten my swing out because whenever I hit it, it goes left, it goes right. There's a big old sharp dog leg. That's when it goes straight and goes OB <laughs> that way. So yeah. that's how it works for me. A lot of people in Michigan it has the golf course right across the street. Then there's a private club right next to it, which is Ann Arbor Golf and Outing. And people who don't golf, they confuse the two and think they're the same thing. They're both right across from the stadium. But Michigan has a second course off Getty's Road called Radrick Farms, which is a Pete Dye course, which was a famous golf course designer. And Tiger Woods played there in a junior amateur qualifier. It's a really gorgeous kind of oasis way off of campus. And I, as a faculty member, I have privileges there. I can, I can pay a fee and, and play there. It's, it's, nice. it's very, yeah, you have to be a member and pay a fee or be, you know, someone who works for the university or faculty. So it's been cool. I'm not going to ask to be a guest because I got to get my swing straightened out before, gotta I, get out before, there, I, before I plead before <laughs> Just, I plead my case because that would that would be a great course. But you've had uh, some travels though, man. You you've had a chance to golf, but you probably didn't uh, on the west side of the state. You visited Saugatuck hey, recently. Michigan has got some great golf courses, and a lot of them are up north, and some of them are on the west side too. But I was out Saugatuck uh, meeting some friends, went on the boat, had views of the river, views of the Big Lake, so. Earlier this morning, of the day of the recording, I went and took out a, well, like a four or five mile run because I put on way too many pounds the night before and just had to go out there. And it was only a mile to the big lake. And I got out there and I just couldn't, couldn't have enjoyed the scene more. I could see Lake Michigan all the way out to the horizon, as you would expect. I could hear the waves. I could feel the humidity. I could feel the fresh air. And I could smell the lingering after effects of the pot party. <laughs> <laughs> All encompassed into one stat. It was, it was a great run. But uh, being out in Saugatuck is, is a lot of fun, as is many other places up along Lake Michigan beaches, whether it's Holland or South Haven, Ludington, just it, 
It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we go a little north of there to near Manistee or Onekama, which has an inland lake right on it, and then you go out to the big lake, and it's a ball. For those who golf, speaking of golf, that's where Arcadia Bluffs is right up mm. the, the, the way from there. Pretty famous golf course in Michigan, and really good golf and, and just a lot of fun, man. It's a special, special place. I have to ask you, is, is, is it rude to ask actors for their autograph when they're on the picket line? I saw a story, you know, the, the actors are on strike along with the writers, and some famous actors are actually walking the picket lines in downtown New York or Los Angeles, and they're being interrupted constantly. Will you please stop picketing and sign my shirt? Was that wrong? <laughs> Should I not have done that? Yeah. <laughs> I saw Brad Pitt at Wimbledon when the whole thing was going down, so I don't, he doesn't seem to be picketing. Maybe he is, you know, occasionally. You didn't oh, see Brad Pitt at Wimbledon. You just saw him on TV at Wimbledon. Or yeah. did you go to Wimbledon I've been year? to Wimbledon. I did not go this year. I, went, I think it was 98 I went. That was the year I did, like, everything. Folks, you have to understand, I have to be very specific when I ask great questions like this. Oh, because it's some, sometimes it may sound silly, but... I do highly recommend going to Wimbledon if you have the means. It's amazing, but... Yeah, I saw Brad Pitt there. It is probably a little rude to, to get in someone's grill while they're picketing. Man, I think we have yet to see the real impact of this double double writers and actors strike. Streaming has turned everything on its head. COVID, coming out of COVID, where it was so hot. Man, I, I do wonder where this is going to go. So on day one, Franz Dresser, I think, who represents uh, the acting guild, like the president or something like that, had this impassioned speech and was just visibly angry. Was, We're not going to take this anymore. You people are crazy. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Now that is an award-winning performance right there right. on the stump Bravo. talking about that you know what will happen the last big acting strike or writer strike led to reality tv you know dominating the day because it ended up being cheaper to give out a million dollars over a season than pay each member of the cast of seinfeld one million dollars per episode that's why we have reality tv so what are going to be the after effects of a writer's and combined actor strike i don't know will it change things forever maybe not but one thing that will probably happen is there'll be a lot more sports on tv yeah to go back and see and boy do espn and fox sports fs1 they need eyeballs on their networks because there's a lot of cord cutting going around and a lot of people finding their own way of getting their specific things and the landscape is completely changing, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I do. And it looks like the idea was throw a bunch of money at all these shows. Netflix, like famously, almost almost became a joke, like greenlit everything and just put all kinds of content in and signed big checks. And it you know, now the I think the economic reality of these services, I mean, they're, they're countless. Most of them are struggling, as you know, Steve. We we both watch CNBC all the time. And there, it's just the economics of it aren't working, which I assume is what the crux of the strikes and the writers and the actors is hitting it. And it, and it does affect sports because ESPN wants to be, you know, in streaming. In fact, Bob Iger, their, their CEO, just basically came out and said, yeah, it's, it's going to be a direct-to-consumer, meaning a subscription-based service exclusively soon. They still want to do ESPN at Disney, but... They need other partnerships, and they're talking about partnerships with big sports leagues. There's rumors of partnerships with Apple as a premium service that you can use their new headset, the Vision Pro, and be like courtside and watch games, which sounds awesome. 
But it's affecting sports, too. But we'll see, man. Um, But that's what ESPN3 is right now anyway. It is basically a streaming service for those that are not in the Power Five. You know, you take the Mid-American Conference and all their football games and basketball games, you can find those games through your cable company or through streaming on, on ESPN3. And now it's just the idea that some of these may be coming to your Power 5 conference near you. It's funny because I'm an older guy, but I'm also like a pretty technical. So I can manage through all this stuff. But the questions I get from the family, because I manage all these subscription <laughs> accounts, like what's our password? What's this? What's that? Did you get a text? Can you send me the code? Like all that stuff. It's such a pain in the ass. Well, just trying to find what channel your game is on. What channel is Michigan going to be on this week is is going to be a difficulty for a lot of people. And you and I are going to be able to navigate that. A lot of our listeners are going to be able to navigate that without a problem. But there's going to be some other people that are going, I I have no idea and I don't even know if I have the service or not. Yeah. How much do you care? Because sometimes you get that login prompt after you haven't logged in for a long time. Like you got to re-log in and you're like, is it really worth it? (laughs) And then you go... Because it's two minutes. You're taking the remote control, right arrow, right arrow, down arrow, right arrow, right right arrow. Oh, I got my first letter in and and I've got a 20-character email just to put into the you username. You got to want it, you know. And then and then whatever password's got to be and they make you change it every 60 days and I'm sounding like an old person complaining about it. But trust me, when that first game is on Peacock, right? I know a lot of us have already had the initial the, the schedule came out and there's a certain type of fan that right. knows and watched and right. has already bitched about it, okay? Right. There's a whole another subset of fans that are going to be googling where is the Michigan game? Why can't I watch the Michigan game? Like, not. So I have some old stories on Invictors on Michigan replay, okay? Mm-hmm. This predates Rich Rod, who kind of canceled that post game. Yeah. We're going to talk about it, okay? I still get Google hits on when is Michigan replay on to this day, Sundays after games. Mm. To this day, I still get like old, confused people looking for Michigan Replay, which hasn't existed in, in its, 15 years. Yeah, they still are looking for it. So anyway, <laughs> there's going to be some confusion here, but so, I'm sorry. What were you saying, Steve? I get Xfinity, so Peacock yeah. has been free. I believe right around the time football season starts in September, my free subscription to Peacock is over. <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure they've told me this, but I thought I heard that Xfinity users who had Peacock for nothing will now have to start ponying up the five ninety nine per month if you want to see it. So I think there's gonna be a lot of confused people that are gonna you know say, Hey, I used to get Peacock for free. What happened? Why am I all of a sudden putting in my credit card number? Yeah. Right arrow, right arrow, down arrow, right arrow, number. Oh, I got the first digit in. So I think I get it for two more years is what they told me. But either way, yeah, you're going to see a lot of that. Peacock's not bad. They've been doing some some good stuff with sports. They've had, like, nerds like me who like, like stuff like the Tour de France. And you get, like, like ESPN Plus, like, uh, has special coverage of some of the big events where they isolate. You can follow Rory McIlroy when NBC has the coverage. You can just watch Rory and stuff like that. But it's such a pain in the butt, Steve. They've got to make, and I know, like, there's things like, what's the aggregator? Roku, like, where you have all the services and things like that, and you can kind of aggregate them. I feel like there's there needs to be a next level, like, aggregation of all these th- third-party services where it feels like 
you're just using your old school remote and just zipping around yeah, it, and you can flip back and forth. And then depending on the service, and we're, we are definitely old men here, depending on the service, the, the rewind and the jump back features, which I use a lot are better or worse like prime good luck like rewinding or fast forwarding oh, it's difficult yeah <laughs> we're, we're so i, I am here's an indication of how dependent i am on rewind i think i can rewind life like i'm yeah. having a conversation with my family and i didn't hear what they said right away i don't physically move my hand down to the remote but my mental instinct is hit rewind so that I can hear what I just missed. That's how dependent I am on, on, on something like that, which is really, really sad. No, and I, I've had that feeling. What it is is I've, when I've been writing a lot, and mm-hmm. you undo, you undo, and you, you go back, and you redo and undo, and all that stuff, cut and paste and undo. When I'm, when I'm doing a final edit and I'm really into it, the next couple hours when I'm walking around, I'm thinking in my brain, undo. Like, like, yeah. like I... I knock the coffee undo, you know, <laughs> or, or you listen to live radio that isn't on satellite. You kind of want, I didn't hear what they said. Can I rewind the radio? Yeah. It's like, no, you can't. See, maybe we are living in the matrix, Steve. Uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we are getting older. And speaking of old, one of the things that I've noticed since the premiere episode and, and talking with people who have listened to the podcast, I have noticed that the older you are, the more people distaste the transfer portal. So older generation people, the, the, yeah. their disdain for the transfer portal increases. It's, yes. it's directly proportionate. The, yeah. If, okay. if you're 40 years old, you may have a mild disagreement with the transfer portal. If you're 70 years old, you hate the transfer portal. And don't give many reasons. They just hate it. <laughs> yeah. can't stand it. So I don't know if you've encountered that or not, or whether that's true, why that may be. I mean, I got my own ideas on it, but. Well, so a couple things I've observed. I know the coaches hate it, right? Yes. Which makes sense. Because they try to make good decisions about playing time and who starts. Every kid at a school like Michigan, let's use Michigan, was the star of their high school, even the walk-ons. And they've told everyone back at home how great it's going to be, and everyone's told them, and the recruiting process told them, this is where we see you fitting in, and this is when. And when that doesn't happen, or third string, fourth string, maybe seeing a little special teams time, but you have the size and all the measurements – you threaten, you have a conversation, or you don't, <laughs> or you just up and leave, and it drives the coaches crazy because right. roster management and that, and I and I can see that especially bothering, say, an older generation where you've got to earn it, son, and like you know you should you should wait your four year three years and earn your spot as a senior, like old school Bo stuff, right? right? I can see that. So coaches are re-recruiting. I mean, it used to be you get a 25-member class in, and those are the 25 that you had to worry about. And now it seems like I've got a roster full of 85 scholarships plus a bunch of walk-ons. But it feels like you're constantly recruiting 110 people every single year instead of just 25. And what happens is is you're possibly playing players on the field before they're actually ready to be on the field just for the sake of keeping somebody happy, whether it's the student athlete or their, or their parent. And when you're putting somebody on the field who isn't ready and it doesn't work out, meaning you could lose a game this way or you could kill a kid's confidence, especially at the quarterback position, because we've seen that countless times, not at Michigan, but at other schools, putting a guy in too early, even in the NFL, can have great detriment to one's career. 
that's a lot of management. It's a lot of emotional management instead of just X and O management throughout that. Yeah, and the other you mentioned, like you, you're constantly recruiting, you're having those those conversations. It's not only with them; it's with the actual recruits that you didn't get. That it's changed the dynamic because with certain recruits who Michigan say doesn't get, you want to maintain that relationship with them. You want to make sure you leave on a good note, and you want to keep the communication channels open to say, hey, maybe you're, you know, it's not working out for you there. We still think you were a great fit here. And again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting the order of events here, mm-hmm. but there, there's a process you go through to get the transfer portal and when communication can be open with that. But I've heard that too, that it, it's changed that nature of actual recruiting where, hey, man, you have to build a good relationship with that family just on the, the notion that, hey, this might be a piece that fits us later. If it doesn't work out at, say, Georgia or somewhere else, right? And, and some coaches even thrive above that. I look at uh, Sharon Moore, who found a place for quarterback Alan Bowman, who went into the transfer portal, and contradictory to what you hear with other coaches and programs who disown you once you hit the portal, Moore helped find Bowman a place to stay without even telling him behind the scenes. If you don't know Bowman's story, he went from an air raid offense at Texas Tech to going under center at Michigan. Look, that's polar opposites when it comes to offenses. It's less than 24 hours before the portal closes, and he's still trying to figure out what to do. And it appears Bowman is trying to figuratively find the best card in a bad hand that was dealt. When Sharon gives him a call... And he hooked him up with a visit to Oklahoma State. Now, the Pokes aren't even on Bowman's radar. And in a story chronicled by Bruce Feldman in The Athletic, Bowman discovers in his visit that Oak State is running plays that he ran both at Texas Tech and at Michigan. It's an unlikely perfect fit. And Bowman commits the very next morning. It's a great story. It's a great story for Bowman. And behind the scenes, it illustrates that Moore didn't shut the door on a kid who left the program. So most of these guys, or a lot of them, still have an eye on the the idea that they can make an NFL roster or get drafted, right? And I know that it is a hit against you if you've transferred from two schools or in one school even, and that the GMs, as far as the draft process, they don't just call the school where you finished. They do call the school before and their player development folks and ask them what happened. They want to know what happened. The other tough side of the transfer portal that I've heard again from coaches is the players we don't hear about. And what do I mean by that? The players that never land anywhere, that go into the transfer portal. Again, this is There are same- thousands right now. <laughs> thousands of people in the football transfer portal who felt like they needed to get to a better place, haven't found any place. Yeah, so let's let's forget about the academic side of it just for a second here, okay? They left college, went in the transfer portal, presumably leaving, didn't land anywhere. Again, these are all, a lot of these these guys are they're college athletes. They're the star of their high school. They've got friends, they've got you mm-hmm. know, family, and either no one wants them or they can't find a spot or there wasn't a spot for them or they thought they should be, and they're languishing. And so, well, I'm going to work out and I'm going to do all my, I'm going to train this summer and get ready for the next portal or whatever, the next window. And a lot of them never go anywhere. And what comes next? Um, Depression, you know, disappointment. There's Uh, always a story on the networks about the lower level guy who, quote, bet on himself. Yeah. And the big dividends paid off and became a star. And people think that's going to happen to them the same way. 
what the networks don't talk about are the stories of the people who bet on themselves and it didn't work for them because that's not interesting. Yeah. But it happens way more often that way than it does the successful way. And how do you bounce back from that too as, as a, such a young person? Like we've had disappointments in our lives and with our jobs and things like that. It just happens. But man, that's a big, like your expectation, your life plan at that age was to go play football probably to get a degree, right? And you're just languishing out there, especially at all these big schools where the roster turnover is a little more. Because now you neither have a team nor a degree. Man, it's just got to be brutal. So I feel for them. And I, like Harbaugh has been a big advocate for players. And I wonder how Harbaugh feels about the transfer portal at this point, because hasn't he been one who's been outspoken that he was coaches the one, can he, leave? He was the yeah. one who wanted to say that it was players okay to... Make a one-time transfer. Yeah. And the background around that uh, involves a former Michigan D lineman. I, I think it was James Hudson who wanted to transfer to Cincinnati. Then Bearcats coach Luke Fickle wanted Michigan to help enhance, maybe even embellish the circumstances of his departure so that Cincinnati and Hudson could get a waiver for the NCAA eligibility rules, play immediately, and not sit out a year. Well, Harbaugh refused. And it was 2019. Everybody was applying for waivers of special circumstances for everyone when it was previously a rare occurrence. And Fickle was upset that Michigan didn't fully cooperate to Fickle's liking. Harbaugh wasn't going to object to the waiver. He just wasn't going to stand on the table and demand the NCAA to grant it. Fickle went public about his frustration. Harbaugh went public back. And it's probably going to be readdressed once again on national TV when Michigan and Wisconsin finally play one another. They'll have the music playing in the background. But in the aftermath, Harbaugh said he believed in the one-time transfer rule without having to sit out. And a year after COVID, they eventually did that. Yeah, I, I wonder, there's probably some things you could do, right, to strike a balance here. There is that with with the active roster, and I'm not playing, I'm leaving, you know, kind of gripe that coaches have to deal with. Instead of sitting a whole year out, maybe, Steve, there's a, there's a smaller penalty, you know, but there there's pain if, if you do leave. I get why players, especially in this day and age, if coaches can come and go and leave and turn over their staff and staffs have different ideas, and you saw what happened with, with Deion Sanders, like basically completely turning over the Colorado roster, that's kind of, to me, a counter-argument. Well, then players should have the right to, to, to move on, especially in those cases when there's a new coach. So maybe there's rules and limitations to that, but I don't know. I don't have all the there's, answers there's here. Two, there's two schools of thoughts here, yeah. and they don't necessarily conflict with one another, but there is a fairness issue, which is what has given rise to why payers should be played more than the scholarship and free tuition at a university is watching the coaching movement, watching the millions of dollars come into the university off of the backs of the players who made it this successful. That's the easy part. The part that we're getting back to at the beginning of this conversation about older people not liking the transfer portal is watching the college game is different for people than it is watching the NFL game. And it's two, even though it's the same sport, it's just two different settings, two different schools of thought. And they feel like they lose the rooting and learning interest of these people that come into your lo local university and you that you're a fan it. of. And you do lose it, though. I mean, you do lose it. <laughs> if we didn't have the transfer portal, then they would stay. If the transfer portal existed in the mid-1990s, Tom Brady would not be at Michigan, yeah. and neither Charles Woodson. 
Woodson, really. Yeah, Charles Woodson would not, and, and Marcus Ray would not. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, they they all would have left Michigan uh, to go somewhere else, and Michigan would not have seen a national championship year that they did in 97. But, I mean, that's. I think they understand that players should be paid, and that based on everything that they've seen elsewhere around the university and the coaches, but they would like to see their players stick around, and for better or for worse, for their own selfish interest. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I, I think that's that's simply put. It's a different version of the complication with all the remotes and the codes and the passwords that we have with streaming. I mean, the roster turns over. Who's this guy? How we? How, why is this guy out here? Who, who is this dude with this number? It's confusing to guys like us, but it's also kind of counter to our sentiments and how we grew up. You know, we were joking on the way in. You know, again, when we grew up, it was still... We're in Michigan. Go to work at Ford, either on the line or in corporate Ford. Get your gold watch or retired. You know when when you're done and move on. That's kind of how I viewed the world, the working world growing up. We still have a lot of those sentiments. And by the way, our demo, I've, I've seen our data, Steve. Most of our demographic is right squarely within our age. That's that's who our listeners are. That's what Spotify tells us. So, you know, you probably are a get off get off my lawn kind of guy listening to this right now. Now we welcome younger viewers and listeners, but. That means it's halftime on The Professor and the Pundit with Greg Dooley and Steve Clark. And our sponsor, Nick Hopwood from Peak Wealth Management, has been sitting in the bullpen chomping on the bit to be able to get inside here. And Greg, you and I were talking on the way up about HSAs and the discussions you've had with Nick. One of your favorite tools is the HSA, the health savings account. And I know this is another thing that you promote, tweet, encourage. Tell us really, in a nutshell, why you really encourage people to consider this. It's because of the triple tax-free benefit. And I honestly, as much as I love Roth, HSAs, I love even more. People don't know about the HSA. People are not taking advantage of it. They're using it the wrong way. And it's a real opportunity cost. And I know we're talking about health expenses. It's like saying, I'm putting money aside to breathe oxygen. We all need it. 100%. It, It depends on what your health insurance plan is, what you choose. So my family is relatively young and healthy. So we wanted to choose the option with the smallest premium and the largest deductible. So these types of plans are eligible for a health savings account. And so we choose an HSA compliant or eligible plan. So that's first step. Then you go to your HSA provider. I use hsabank.com. And then they link to Ameritrade Schwab for the investment piece. When I put the money in, it's tax deductible. When I invest it, it grows tax deferred. And when I pull it out for medical, it's a tax-free withdrawal, triple tax-free. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, so you definitely got me going on it. Greg, we were talking about transfers, and the Wolverines are bringing in a bunch of quality guys from the portal this year and in positions of need. And for that, we're very grateful. But Michigan also lost some high-profile players on their own team as well, Cade McNamara and Eric All. And to talk more about that, we go out to Cedar Rapids to talk to Doug Wagner, the host of The Voice of Iowa, the morning show with Doug Wagner. Heard on several stations in eastern Iowa, and I met Doug, Greg, after the Michigan game at Iowa last season. He was hosting a post-game show from a restaurant I chose to eat after the game, and it took us (laughs) hours to figure out which restaurant we're going to go to. We randomly sort of chose this place eventually, and all of a sudden I see, like, the twins, the doppelgangers of WTKA, 
it was amazing. I remember you told me this. That's awesome. Well, Doug, thanks for joining <laughs> us. This is cool. This is so cool. Yeah, you're on The Professor hey. and the Pundit. And Doug, I, I, I got to ask right away about your feelings about how Cade and Eric are doing in Iowa City. You know what? I, I think that post-surgery, Cade's got a lot of bump moving through everything, these summer drills. And I think that there's a lot of, I guess there's a lot of hope with regard to what he was able to pull off in Michigan and then come over to Iowa here because, look, we like a big-time Big Ten quarterback, like a Chuck Long. Uh, you know, Nate Stanley, God bless him, was never that role. Jake Rudak, who you guys pirated for his graduate <laughs> year. Thanks a lot. Uh, that's fabulous. But we're looking for that big-time Big Ten quarterback. Look, we need some motivation on an offense because if the offense can move the ball, get first downs, get some points, even outscore the defense, then we've got – really what we see is a top 10 team because of this defense. Eric Hall uh, may be a little bit different because he's coming in and you've got Luke Lachey, who's an established Big Ten tight end, and we've got some other candidates, but he cemented himself for sure as that second tight end when we go to that two tight end package, uh, and then also as coming in on downs as a receiving tight end. Well, Doug, you, d- you may not have known this, but Caden McNamara was the player to be named later. In, in 2015 for Jake Rudolph. So. That's awesome. Take an NIL to a new level, bro. <laughs> we'll do that in just a minute. I think m- many people in Ann Arbor probably didn't know that Kate couldn't participate really because of the injury in a full spring practice, but you don't expect right. him to have any problems once fall camp here starts in the next week or two. You know, there's no expectation right now out of the Iowa camp that that's going to happen. Uh, and it's, it's something that I think that, you know, coming in, you have that surgery, you make sure that everything goes correctly, you don't want to rush anything. So I think the doctors, the training staff, and the coaching staff all making sure that everything is going to be set for that September to uh, start up against Utah State. Well, you know, Kay didn't burn any bridges. He lost the starting job to J.J. McCarthy, but, I mean, for us here in Ann Arbor, who have spent years trying to get back to a Big Ten championship level, had not won an Eastern Division yet since the formation of divisions, I sort of felt that Ohio State was in Michigan's head, and Cade was the guy who was leading the troops. And he isn't the five-star quarterback, but he has the mental game just as good as anybody. And he got the most out of himself, and he got the most out of the players. Greg, I mean, do you agree with that assessment? I agree. I think there are some people who are bitter that he left, but very few. Most people are just grateful for what he did. And there were a couple veiled shots on the way out, but I wouldn't say a bridge was burned. As someone who studies the history of this program, how can you look back at what he did and what he brought to this fan base other than to say thank you and good luck. And that's the way I see it. Oh, as, as a freshman as well, I mean, you had, I mean, a completely different type of quarterback as opposed to, um, and blanking on his name, uh, shoestring. I mean, just, he was the guy that was just running all over the place and you could never keep your hands on him. You could never keep your eyes on him. I, mean, I watched black Adam the other night and it was like watching that again, because the second you went to put your arms around him, all of a sudden he disappeared to another one. Cade McNamara, completely different type of quarterback, but still that that leader that they needed at, at that point in time for Michigan football. And then the injury happens, and then uh, for him, it's a fortuitous set of circumstances. Uh, the big thing coming from Michigan ball into Iowa ball is that now you've got Brian Ferris. 
he's got a target on his back. He's got a uh, what? He's got a points per game. He's got a number of wins per game. There are probably some other statistics that they're talking about. He's got to produce, and Cade McNamara is going to have to be the one who's got to produce it because again, your defense is not going to be able to score twenty-one points a game every game. The O has got to do something. So those numbers, are they, are they realistic in your mind? They seem realistic in my mind. And I also wonder, are they really going to hold it to him? Is that how it's structured? Does he have, like, metrics? Yeah, he's, he got, he's got goals. Yeah. But they didn't necessarily <laughs> say they were the going to outright fire him, did they? No, it's a, it's a year-to-year based on the metrics. So I think that, you know, maybe he hits some of the metrics or gets close. I mean, it's probably going to be fudge. But here's the other thing, too. We are undergoing a change in leadership in our athletic department because Gary Bart is retiring. They have an interim athletic director who, well, I believe, is at Bowling Green, Ball and State, a couple of different places. Ball State, sorry, thank you very much. But but she's you know she's a powerhouse. They've got a lot invested in her. Um, I'm, I don't know, and I, I'm not going to say anything negative, but I don't know the relationship that she has with the head coaching staff and the other coaches at the University of Iowa in football because of, of where she was before, but. I can only imagine at this point that it's going to be a subject of some scrutiny because it's a fresh uh, athletic director, even though in the interim, but it just feels like she's going to be the full-time once they get this whole thing moving. And uh, it's going to be something where the O is going to have to put up some numbers. Otherwise, you're going to have uh, something that's going to have to happen. And for me, again, I I think that that Brian Ferentz really is going to have to lead, uh, lean on, on, uh, on the quarterback uh, and, and even Eric Hall at that point, too, because you've got this issue where the, the tight ends really drive this offense, especially with some of the wide receivers having transferred out. We've got good offensive backfield at this point, I think. McNamara is going to be the key to that whole thing working out, uh, not only for the offense, but also for Brian Ferentz as the assistant head coach in the offensive coordinator. <laughs> the good news is you now got two tight ends instead of just one. You're used to having two tight ends performing your offense. The running backs, uh, you know, they had a down year. Your offensive line had a down year. They have a chance to, uh, to bring that back up, account for those numbers. And I think there may be no person's seat hotter, even a head coach seat. The biggest yeah. hot seat in college football <laughs> is the offensive coordinator at Iowa because it's Brian Ferentz, the son of Kirk, I'm not breaking any new ground here. The nepotism that has been written about and talked about, you know, for the last few seasons has a win over Ohio State that has kept him employed, that and his dad, for quite some time. So I think it can happen. One other question about on the field, Spencer Petrus, your starter by default for the last few years, is a player coach on the roster. And I think I was trying to do the nice guy move seeing that Spencer maybe wanted to involve in coaching, they can help pay for his graduate degree. But if he's a player slash coach, is Kate or anybody going to be listening to Petrus during this season? Uh, they better be because Petrus is good with X's and O's. He always has been. That's one of the things about Iowa quarterbacks, and I think you go to Jake Rudock, same thing. They're good with the play design, the play development. Uh, it's, I mean, I think that for Petrus, because of the speed, uh, you know, times some of the injuries, maybe the execution was lacking, but they've got it all between the ears. And I think that's one of the things because Kate is so young that somebody like Spencer Petrus is going to be able to import some of that knowledge to him as far as Big Ten defenses, as far as 
different schemes, uh, and then some of even the wild card things that go on as far as different downs and distances, exactly what you can look for as far as weaknesses in the defensive formations. So, Doug, you mentioned top 10 as a, as a target for this team. So does that reflect the view of the fan base that you expect, or is it the hope of the fan base that really you guys are contending for that West title and much more? Is that kind of where the fan base is now as we get you know, a few weeks away? before we get into the season? Or does it really come down to, are these new pieces going to work on offense? Well, I mean, obviously, it remains to be seen until we get onto the field and we start putting everything together. But I think what originally started out as a hope when you start seeing the transfer portal and everything working out, but now I think it's it's more of an expectation because you got Powder Colby, who's projected as a first-team All-Big Ten offensive lineman. But when you start looking at the offensive line start gelling, and that's really one of the huge things for the side of a team because for years we're known for that offensive line and be able to bust big holes for the running backs and uh, even you know take some pressure off the passing game. I guess the idea is that it's not the hope, but the expectation of the side of a team can crack the top ten, can be a contender for the Big Ten West Championship, and then get to the Big Ten Championship game again this year. So I, I got to ask you this one. So one of the things I do on my website is kind of compare the sentiment of fan bases toward Michigan and vice versa, right? right. And I've always yeah. felt like at Michigan, while there's a respect for Iowa, there's a fear of playing at Iowa, especially at night at Kinnick. Um, oh, but, yeah. but I feel like there's more of a kinship just because of some of the names like Bump Elliott and Forrest Ebeshevsky, you know, and Niall Kinnick and Tom Harmon kind of battled for the Heisman in 39, and then, yeah. you know, Harmon won in 40. And practically an original member, not quite, but almost an original member of the Big Ten, we've been doing this so long, there's more of a kinship coming from Michigan toward Iowa. But my understanding is that's not quite quite the same. In fact, um, my wife hates Michigan. Yeah, well, like, we'll start there. Yeah, like, <laughs> and... So hit, hit me with it. What What is the and – I, and I know it's hard to speak generally for fans and fan bases. We all have different reasons for what we think. But what is the fan base view of Michigan? I, you know, I think obviously Iowa respects Michigan football because of the tradition and the history and the, just the numbers and the year in, year out, there's a respect. I think that most Iowans would rather see go blue rather than the scarlet and gray win when those two were uh, going up against one another, no matter what. But at the same time, I think that, you know, I'm going to go back like, uh, what, maybe 20 years or so. We were over at, uh, this is years before I was doing the pregame for Iowa on uh, News Radio 600 WMT. When we were tailgating for an Iowa-Michigan game, uh, my son was out uh, doing the Boy Scout popcorn thing. He was had his wagging out and was going along and a guy that i know who figured go figure guy is a, a, a navy guy um he was wearing a cheerleaders uniform and he had on a bright shocking like you know like a motley crew kind of wig horrible makeup ugly legs he had on a <laughs> skirt and he was wearing a t-shirt that i says know where Ann this is a whore <laughs> right. Okay. Gotcha. Right. Okay. We did that in ago. Illinois too. Yeah. Okay. Twenty years ago, that was the thing. Okay. Now all it is is that 
when I see you guys tailgating at Iowa, I see a bunch of your guys wearing the khakis and the blue polo and blue sweater, and a bunch of our guys are wearing the khakis and the blue polo and the blue sweater or the blue sweater, depending on what time of year. And that's sort of the, the way that there's that there's mocking going on because we respect the players 100. Uh, percent Jim Harbaugh, maybe not. Well, I finally got to see a win last year, first time in 20 years. Because <laughs> the last time I saw them win at Kinnick was uh, 2005 in overtime. So I, yeah. I, I've been to many losses at Kinnick. I thought I would do something nice for my wife. And I thought I would, I thought I would buy a picture. And, and I went out and paid some money for an AP picture. One that I was trying to get was the one-handed grab by Marquise Walker over All-American Bob Sanders. And it was on a crucial yeah. play. Michigan came from behind. That was 2001. To complement that, I thought I'd get the game-winning kick, uh, you know, in 2016. Apparently, uh-huh. he was still playing, so I couldn't have the rights to get that picture. That's how uh, politics work out. But I did yeah. find another picture where Iowa, like a year or two later, the receiver makes a one-handed grab over All-American Marlon Jackson. You know, one was done in Iowa City, one was done at Michigan Stadium, one guy with the Iowa grab over an All-American, the other with a Michigan grab over an All-American. I get this place in the basement, I look at my wife, what do you think? And she goes, which game did Iowa win? And I said, (laughs) I shrugged my shoulders, and I said, neither of them. And she says, take it down. (laughs) That's, that's a smart woman you got. Yeah. That was, I couldn't believe I thought I had all the artistic sense in the world, and I thought I was keeping her happy. She just wanted to know which game was a photo that represented a win. You're trying to Cecil B. DeMille that she wanted John Ford, okay? Yeah. <laughs> very, very good. So, hey, there's some other things that are going on in common that I was kind of curious about. We're, we're both very heavily discussed in the NIL world and, and the topics. Yeah. And I brought up something last week on the show that I thought was very creative. And I kind of wanted to hear your take on the Swarm Collective and how they kind of got their way involved. Because if I remember it last year, as most athletic departments, not exactly too trusting of collectives and how much they bring them into the fold. I thought the swarm actually kind of went public talking about the need for the University of Iowa to endorse us as a collective. And surprisingly, a week later, they actually did that. And now we're at a point a year later where they're working with a beer company and the proceeds go to the Swarm Collective and the, and the beer can be sold at Kinnick Stadium. I, I just kind of like to hear any type of inside story you have about the collective itself, how they work with the athletic department and the ingenuity and the creativity, because I think anybody will buy a drink if it's for a good cause. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Brad Heinrich, what he's done with the Swarm Collective, building it up from the bottom, especially because he looked Okay, there's a lot of things. Iowa's first in the nation caucuses kind of thing. So everybody's used to being in the ground level of a lot of things. But this is something completely different. And this is something people weren't used to. And I think that that was no different for the athletic department at that point. Uh, I I think what you you said about uh, Brad and the Storm was correct. They kind of pushed the envelope. And I think that the athletic department read the tea leaves correctly. They responded correctly. But I think this change in the athletic department over there here uh, coming in the next month or two is going to be something worth watching because I think you're going to be seeing a much more outwardly focused business type of atmosphere kind of like rather than the traditional 
you know, within the walls of the Big Ten school and have to reflect that outside. Not to say that Gary Barta has not done a good good job with uh, promoting Iowa football and things like that, because he has, but this is a 21st century thing, and I think you have a 21st century interim athletic director. This swarm itself has really been grabbed a hold of by the uh, Hawkeye community around the state. Uh, I know that I'm involved with a number of different uh, groups that are doing nonprofit uh, funding drives, like for the University of Iowa Family Children's Hospital. We're doing a uh, putt for kids with cancer at one of our local putt-putt golf courses. And I've got Patrick McCaffrey, I've got Tony Perkins, and I've got Peyton Sanford coming to this. So they're not sparing anything. They're saying, we will send you our top-end people because we're bringing the kind of money in that we need to. Uh, for us, it doesn't hurt to have Caitlin Clark as the poster person for this. I mean, she is... By by far, she may be one of the best-known college athletes in the United States of America, and she works with the Swarm. And that's I wasn't going to let you go without talking about Caitlin Clark. Her game at Michigan two years ago was one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen, flat out in sports. I'm curious what that vibe is with her around there because it's definitely transcended the Midwest, what she's doing and, and her skills. It is remarkable. Yeah. And you've got her back for at least another year? Yeah, at least another year. She's got a COVID year. She chooses to take it. I mean, if I'm her, why not? Because she's going to make more as uh, an NCAA player than she's going to probably do than she could make right off the bat with the, with the WNBA, potentially, I'm going to say, because who knows how they're going to fund that. But uh, it's phenomenal because the attention that she brings to the Iowa athletics program is phenomenal. Not only on the court uh, as uh, a player and an athlete, but also the things that she does off the court with working with nonprofits, working through the swarm and through her other NIL deals so that she can be a representative for University of Iowa athletics. Doug, if Caitlin Clark wanted Brian Ferentz fired, could she get it done? <laughs> not going to happen. She will not. She won't make that move. <laughs> I think she could do it. Although, yeah, I'll tell you what, her poll ratings might go up. I mean, but she's not running for anything at this point. She's just trying to be the best point guard and team captain that she can be. <laughs> Doug, uh, tell our listeners uh, what you're doing on a daily basis. If they want to learn more about Iowa athletics, how do they do that? I appreciate it. Uh, uh, I host the morning show. I syndicate it on News Radio 600 WMT out of Cedar Rapids. It's a terrestrial five-state footprint. I uh, also it's simulcast onto KASI in Ames now, and onto WOC in Davenport. So two of those are 100-year-old stations. Uh, literally, it it goes all over the Midwest, but you can hear it worldwide via the iHeartRadio app as well. Come football season, three hours prior to. To, uh, to the kickoff, we are at home games at the corner of Melrose and Melrose directly across from the IOWA, right on the corner of the stadium at Melrose and Melrose opposite us. And uh, we broadcast the bumper brigade uh, for an hour. Um, it's typically like me, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. We have on, uh, like you folks, the, the people who write for or post for or podcast for the opposing team. And then we break down some of the Iowa audio. And Gary Dolphin, voice of the Hawkeyes as well. Uh, we mm. kick it over to Learfield for the pregame for two hours, kickoff, and then postgame. We're at Hudson Southside Tap in Iowa City. 
for the post game. We take calls. We take te- we take texts. Uh, Sally Mc- in Mechanicsville is one of our great texters because it's always starts out. Well, my ex boyfriend says in there on. <laughs> but again, another one. By the way, we took a phone call since this is a wide open podcast. Spencer Peach was two years ago. He's out there. It was like the second game or third game of the year. Petrus did well, fabulous, lights out, and gets out there, get a phone call, let's take so-and-so from us, and said, hey, I just want to give to Spencer Petrus, the guy's fabulous, he was hitting everybody, dropping dimes, receivers were catching balls, making fakes the way he would be, the guy's just a supreme athlete, 6'5", 255 pounds, he's got a 9-inch lap hog, the guy can't be beat, and I heard 9-inch lap hog, I'm reaching for the button to dump him, <laughs> and going, I can't, I can't do it. Because he didn't say anything bad. <laughs> Very that nice. That is replayed in our offices every Friday before Hawkeye football games. I think this is why <laughs> our our post game host Ira stopped taking calls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we run with the man. We love we love the calls. We love the text because there's plenty to talk about. No matter whether you're winning or losing, and it doesn't matter whether it's Iowa football or Wolverine football. My ex-father-in-law, Harvey Dewey, he was a Michigan Tech grad, but he still has his hat that he wore for Michigan game day. My ex-mother-in-law still keeps it up on the hat rack right in front of the door for game day every Saturday for, for Michigan. So I love I, it. My in-laws got this stone plate rivalry divided or whatever it's called. Family house divided, yeah. Yeah, fa- yeah, house divided, exactly. Two years ago, right before the championship game, it had to have been weather-related. I don't know what happened but the darn thing split in two. <laughs> and it literally was divided. Uh, so that, that's you know how it goes. Worst thing that could happen here is if we started making those here with Brian Ferentz on one side and Kirk Ferentz on another, but I don't want to get in trouble from anybody from the Iowa Athletic Department. It's not a suggestion. It's just not at all. I understand. Doug, I look forward to seeing you in person in 2025. I think that's the next time Michigan heads out to Iowa City. And now I know your location for the pregame show, and I definitely know your location for the postgame show. I will uh, see you out there. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Wrapping up our first season on The Professor and the Pundit, very grateful for those that have been listening all summer long. A special thanks to Nick Hopwood of Peak Wealth Management to supplement the cost of putting this together each and every single week. If you have a financial question or concerns, or if you want to preserve your wealth with some creative but legal maneuvering, look up Nick at peakwm.com or call 734-681-7575. So I had the pleasure of going to see our sponsor and my man, Nick Hopwood, Steve. I saw him up in Plymouth, which is where his offices are, and delivered one of our professor and the pundit t-shirts to him and had a beer. Nice. Yeah. I love our shirts. You know, and- And I I love our sponsor. You know, and inevitably, I asked Nick about business and how's it going and all that kind of stuff. And I can't tell you specific stories about what he says about his customers, but I can tell you that just through the stories he tells me and how he takes care of these people and prospective customers, give them a call, give them a try. It's a really cool partnership that we have, and we do plan to continue with Nick in season two. So I'm looking forward to it. And he loves the shirt. He loves the shirt. We weren't able to get the Block M's because of licensing concerns on our hats, but that's just the consequence of creating Michigan-related themed stuff. You've got to be careful with the copyright stuff. But, yeah. but he loves the shirt, man. 
they would love to see shirts. So thank you to Nick, and thank you to Underground Printing for doing them for us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. I'm sure there will be a lot to talk about with Michigan practices starting up and Jim Harbaugh endorsing the Champion Circle NIL Collective. And for my opinion on Jim Harbaugh and the NCAA maybe reaching an agreement on a suspension, I'll be on the WTKA Michigan Insider Wednesday morning, July 26 at 9 a.m. for that and a preview of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. But until then, remember Michigan football back-to-back Big Ten champions and winners over Ohio State and Michigan State. Go Blue. Go Blue.